So last week we were um, diving into uh, the creation of man. Um, specifically, we looked at uh, a couple of different scriptures on how we're created in God's um, in God's likeness. Um, we we spoke uh, a little bit um, in Mark chapter twelve verse thirty, um, looking at various ways that that we. Um, show the likeness of, of God or how we're created in God's image. Um, we looked as, as well at, at how God's continuing that work in Christ, that, that through the fall of man, um, we find ourselves uh, falling short continually um, for displaying the image of God in our lives, but that Christ has completed that work completely uh, for us on our behalf. And when we place our faith in Him, um, we rest in His work and we have hope that He will um, continue the work that He's begun in us to bring it to completion, that there is a day that we all can look forward to as believers um, when we will without question follow in, in the image and likeness of God without failing because Christ has completed that work in us. So now we're kind of at the point in the study that where we're, we're looking at kind of how the church has historically viewed this, things that have happened along the way from the time of the early church to us. Um, and there's a couple of things. I'm, I'm going to point out a couple of things kind of first that, the, that just kind of universally the church is kind of held to. And I want us to look at a couple of places um, where there's been uh, differences of opinion and understanding in, in particular aspects um, that have that have uh, been from the very beginning to now, um, as well as look at a couple of places along the way um, where outside influences have um, have had heavy like like there's been heavy influences from external secular views of of humanity that have that have in some ways. Um, influenced the church and probably to this day continue um, in in some regard to that influence as far as the way that we that we see specifically I'm thinking towards um, this idea that that um, that we need to be freed from freed from the physical creation that we're a part of um, and and I don't think that that's I, I believe that we that we seek to be released from the 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 Sinful fallen nature, but I think that it's a that it's a step too far gone when we think that that the created physical world in general is just uh, something that we need to fly away from, or you know that that we that we place our hope for a future in a future that's not material, right? Because and and one of the things that I want us to kind of explore this morning is why is it that we think that? Why is it that when most of us think about heaven and eternity, we we think the opposite of the physical reality that we know so well to a state of being that we have no clue what it would look like. Um, and in a lot of ways we miss and, and, and we don't we don't necessarily uh, treasure and long for it. I think in a way that we that we ought to, because we have a misguided view of that. That's actually something that came in. Uh, we're going to see from a, a secular worldview that kind of invaded um, 
the church's understanding of what God has done, what God is doing, um, and to this day it has influences on on the way that we look at the hope that we have, right? So that we don't put as much hope in like what a resurrected reality might be, but we look to that disembodied reality as somehow a better thing. And I want us to see that there was actually external influences that caused that to be one of the predominant views uh, that's been that's been held. Um, so a couple of kind of things that are universal throughout um, the the church has historically held that we are created in God's image. Um, the church has historically held that we are both material and immaterial in our in our nature, right? That we have a physical body, but we're also made up of immaterial soul and spirit. Um, that's universal throughout. Um, from this, or from us being created in God's image, this is where uh, the church has historically drawn from uh, human dignity. Where do, where is it that we that we um, that we get the idea or the grounding for us, for, for the dignity of humanity, right? Um, and not just being like creatures that, that we would say like, well, just survival of the fittest ought to be the way that it goes. Why is it that we, that, that whether you're, whether you're born with disabilities or whether you're born, uh, perfectly healthy, whether you're an amazing athlete or whether you're just blah, right? That, that we look at every human being with the, with the, particular kind of dignity, right? That that's something that should be guarded um, so that when we see someone, whether they are like very hindered by um, some kind of physical disability, when we see them done wrong, we, we think that it's just as wrong as someone who's had a life that's like perfectly healthy, perfectly good. Like, like we, we, we see, we see that that both carry the same weight of dignity because they're humans. This comes from um, from our, our understanding of being of all of us being created um, in the image of God. Um, also, uh, throughout church history, there's been a there's been a an understanding that uh, the the image that we have that we were given in creation, like when Adam was created, um, that there has been some great fall that's taken place. Um, and that, that humans um, uh, experience some form of depravity, right? Like we're broken from the start. Um, and then uh, we, we see like as from, from the very beginning, there's kind of been two ways when we consider, uh, when the church has considered how we are made in God's image, there's been two particular uh, two particular ideas in which um, that have been from the early church to now. Uh, two of the major ideas that have come along with what it means to be in God's image. One of those is that humans are rational beings, like we think, we reason. Um, the other is that that humans have um, freedom of the will that we that we desire and we move in accordance with our desires. Right. So, like those are two ideas that have been um, kind of from the beginning. Um, kind of carried along with this idea of being created in the image of God. So we're, we're, we're rational creatures and we're creatures who have wills and desires and move in ways that line up with our, with our desires. Um, so those are some high level, when we think about um, the way the church has looked at 
um, us being created in God's image, the creation um, of mankind as material and immaterial, um, kind of in in one. Um, there's some particular interesting places that have that from very early on, when we think about the the material and the immaterial, um, that we find uh, in the early church. Um, some some disagreements that have continued on. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about two particular views. So in this, we're thinking about the nature of creation, right? The nature of being created as physical beings, also as being created um, with this immaterial nature, the spirit, the soul. Um, so so from very early on, there was kind of two two schools of thought that have come up, that that kind of came up and and both have places in scripture that they would draw from to um, to support their particular ideas we 're going to look at those two kind of after we list the two major categories um, and for for these you might find yourself in one of the two and I would say that's fine like these have been around from the very beginning like even whenever I look at the particular one like if I were looking at one without view of the other like I would say that that makes perfect sense and if I were on the other side I would be like that makes perfect sense so I don't think that the particular differences that we are going to see here are primary differences right these are these are like the terms differences so even amongst us we could differ in our understanding here and that would be okay it wouldn't it, it would not mean that it would be better for us to worship in sep- in separate churches so um, so the the idea that's coming out here is when we consider the body soul and spirit are we essentially three parts like is there three parts there or is there really only two and then soul and spirit being spoken of just the same word for the same thing right um so these schools of thought came up like i say early um in 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 the church's history um and there have been from the very beginning believers that have held to to one the first view um which was kind of originally championed by one of the early church leaders uh Arrhenius. it's uh, uh this is going to Trichotomy is the is kind of the term. It's three essentially three parts to our nature, right? That we are essentially uh, in body, and that the soul and the spirit are two different. They don't refer to the same thing, right? So that's that tri, that three. Um, so one view would say that the soul and the spirit are different things, and they have different functions and different capabilities. Um, the other would say is that we're made of body and soul slash spirit, right? That soul and spirit could essentially be interchangeable with one another. Um, we'll see a couple of different places. I want us to look at a couple of different places in Scripture where these would come from, like I say um, before we even get before we even get started here, um, no matter no matter which view you hold to here, you could you could you could uh, make a, a, an argument for uh, either one, I believe. So. Yes, with Scripture. So that's what we're going to kind of look at. So the first place that we're going to look, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, is actually like a proof text for both sides, right? So this is one of those areas where no matter which one you would, you would fall into, uh, you're going to use, you're going to use this, this particular text to kind of make your point, um, here. So Genesis chapter 2, verse, uh, 7. Um, so we're not going to go into like trying to debate either way. We're just going to kind of read the text here. Um, 
for this first one, both both um, views here would use this and try to make a case from this particular verse. And then we're going to look at separate verses for the two categories after this particular one. So here it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Some will say a living uh, a living soul there. So for the one who would for the for the side who would say, hey, there's three parts here. They would they would talk about um, that God formed the man from the dust of the ground. That's his body. They would say that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. They would look at the particular words that that there get translated for us, breath of life, and they would look at um, spirit. They would say this is the spirit being breathed in, and then they would look and say the man became a living creature or a living soul and that soul would be that third part right now on the other side the other side of that argument there was a body we, we all agree on body there um, they would not make the distinction that breath of life represents spirit but that this this what takes place here is actually the creating of the soul or spirit um, those words being interchangeable right so um, both views there um, would would look to that text and would make arguments from that text. Um, so now if we look for the uh, trichotomous view or the three-part view, um, we're going to look at two passages in Scripture where, where they would look to to, to kind of make their, uh, make their argument there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 23. So if you want to turn there. So this is the this this would be one of those proof texts for those who held the the view that the soul and the spirit are separate things. And this is why when we read these, this is why I say like depend like either one makes sense. And I don't think that it's a hill to die on for either because when we read certain passages of text, certain views seem to make make more sense here. Um, so verse twenty three. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I read that particular text, it seems like Scripture there uh, makes distinctions um, between soul, body, um, and spirit. So spirit and soul and body. So I read that and I'm like, hmm, makes, makes sense. Now, of course, the other view would have arguments for, for, for you know, trying to say like spirit and soul here is just two words for the same thing. Um, but the, those who would hold that there's three parts, this is one of the this is one of the proof texts that they would tend to go to for this. Um, the other place, let's flip to Hebrews chapter four. So if we look at Hebrews chapter four here, and we look at verse twelve. So for the whole word of God is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword, piercing division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here, those who would hold that there's that there's body, spirit, soul, and spirit and soul are distinct, they would say, if they weren't distinct, how would something put division between the two, right? So um, the Word of God is piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. So that this would be one of those places that they would um, kind of go to here. And again, like the other side would have 
um, arguments um, for 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 why the the usage of that particular phrase doesn't ne- necessitate that there be three particular parts, right? So um, now for the other side, for the the those who would say that soul and spirit are really just two words for the same thing, they would have some some kind of proof text that they would that they would tend to go for here as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 um, would be one place where they do that. Uh, verse 7 uh, where it says, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Right? So like, there's they would say, look, when it speaks about um, death here, it's, it's speaking about the... the uh, the body returning to to the earth and the spirit leaving. It doesn't mention soul here, so that would kind of be their 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 argument on that side. Um, and then Matthew chapter ten is the last place that we're going to look here for these particular differences. So Matthew chapter ten, uh, verse twenty eight. Where it says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Right? So they would say, look, when it's speaking about um, kind of the, 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 the final end, um, it's speaking in terms of, of, of two. Right? So um, these two particular views, these have existed um, from the beginning. Like I say, I don't believe that these are, that these are hills that, that one should, should die on. Um, I don't think that there are any particular dangers that, that would, that you would face holding one of you, that you, that you would, you know, um, not face if you held the other, right? So like, whenever I'm th- looking at these particular types of differences that have, that have existed from the very beginning of the church to now, these are not those like major doctrinal differences that we, um, should divide churches over. These are those places where as believers, we should show grace to those on the other side, right? Um, so that's kind of, you know, I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring that up in this particular one, cause I've actually heard, I've actually heard people and, and had good friends who have held um, both particular both particular views and sometimes like they'll elevate those particular ideas over the other in a way that it's like you're making a bigger deal out of this than ought be made for this particular issue, right? So I think that it's that it's good for us to know and one of the things that we can get by reflecting on the way that the church has generally approached these things throughout the history of the church is that if we see this difference has existed for generation and generation and generation, um, there's probably good evidence on both sides that have convinced people from generation to generation to generation. Um, so it's not a hill that we should die on, right? Uh, did somebody have a question? Nessie? I thought I saw somebody raise their their hand. Huh? Which one that I? So it, it would de- it would depend. I tend towards myself personally. I tend towards the the two the 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 dichotomous view. That's just me. But like I say, I don't. It's not one that like I don't think there's any dangers to hold to hold the other. Um, and when I read some of these passages of text, um, First Thessalonians and Hebrews there that we just read, like I feel like those are convincing, right? Like I don't have a reason to to not jump over there, right? Um, it's just I, I hold a particular, you know, I hold the, the, the other, but I couldn't give you strong argument for why you should hold that one, right? I don't think at any point that the soul and the spirit are going to be 
See, and that's see, and so so something to something to to think about there, and this is kind of this is a good transition into the next into the next piece of this as we explore like some of the pitfalls as far as the church's understanding um, of like especially when we think about like why would you want to divide one up from the other if you could divide one up from the other like like when God created us He created us essentially in His image and in all parts of His creating us were were a work to reflect His glory and somewhere along the way so the fall happens right like it happens early on we get that in the opening chapters of the book right so like the fall happens but what God created and called good still good right like when God created in his works of creation all along the way it's good it's good it's good it's good it's good and then at the end looking over all that he created it's very good but what's happened is is we look we have because the fall happened and we experience life in that fall is that there's a tendency to want to completely reject those things that we think are are not essentially good or, or, or right so like as part of that because like so many places in scripture we see this language of like put off the old man put off the flesh put off right right, right. and so we we associate flesh with all things physical right and then that combined with some other ideas that have come in throughout the history of the church have in many people's mind caused a complete rejection of the physical body so much so that like the like these like uh like the the monastic type approaches to life the the like monasteries and monks and like you you remove yourself away from all things like worldly or all things physical you don't enjoy pleasures of the world you like this complete rejection is essentially where that thinking can lead to and that view of reality is not the way that we're meant to live right like it's i'm i'm sorry it's not right so, but but that's what happens when those particular ideas about like well the flesh is all evil. It's so, like we 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 eventually get there and we say well to 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 be completely holy we must reject all things physical. That's pleasures. That's I'm not going to eat good food. I'm not going to drink you know like tasty beverages. Like it's like we get to this point where it's like so far so so far along it's like sexual pleasure is wrong, right? Like they get to this, so it's like complete rejection of that, and then we find ourselves in this state of being where it's like we've rejected these things that were good gifts, right? We've rejected them for for the world to look in and say that we're holy while on the inside we're, we're still sinful and broken and we secretly secretly long for and go after so that you find like the crazy realities of like what's the 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 things that have happened within like the catholic church and not just limited to the catholic church but where it's like you find like priests and little boys and it's like like where does this come from this is where when we have a misshape and understanding of what god's done and what god's doing and what his work of restoration is is about like when we when those things get out of kilter and offline, then we start trying to put on a picture of holiness while in no way working towards holiness because we're working towards our ideas instead of 
the Holy Spirit working in us to bring about holiness. So this type of thing has happened, right? So, or, and this was, uh, unfortunately, this happened really early on in church history. Um, these ideas started kind of working themselves in. So in the, in, so as we've been kind of exploring each of these different ideas that we look at and we're looking at them through the lens of ch- church history, we tend to look in a couple of different, like, big, broad categories. Early church, middle ages, right? Like, or established church, like as the Catholic church is starting to form out Reformation in the modern age. So, like, when we think about when some of these false understandings about the nature of how God created us, those, those false understandings started invading in the early church era, right? So, like, towards the end of the early church and into the kind of the established age of the church, these ideas about, like, false ideas about wanting to reject all things physical started coming out. Plato was one of, so Plato was not a believer. Plato was a philosopher. Y'all probably all heard his name before because he put forward some some pretty big ideas that have continued on throughout history, influencing um, the world's understanding just about um, nature in general. He puts forward some really interesting ideas and then he put forward some things that are just foolish and don't line up with scripture at all. And unfortunately, some of those ideas that don't line up with Scripture at all started invading the mind of the church and started influencing the teaching of the church and given enough time it can cause it can cause the church as a whole to get very far offline from where it, it should be. Yeah, like Greek philosophy plays such a role in the early church because that's the culture they put yeah. themselves in. Right? Like I said, they're surrounded by like Greek thinking and there were so many different views of thinking because they were thinkers. Yeah. And yeah. Kind of thinks this stuff out. Paul goes to Athens and they're thinking all the time, talking about new ideas all the time. And like, it, that's a perfect picture of the world, like the church being influenced more by the world than by scripture. Yes. Reformation time. That's why sola scriptura, like like scripture alone, comes out and has to be like kicking out all these ideas. They had flooded in. And consider consider this. So so consider the world influences you, right? Because you live in the world. But what's happened and and, and I and it's not it's not one hundred percent with us today, right? But what happened throughout the age throughout the time of the church, there's been various periods, and we've experienced this in the American church as well, various periods in time where the church has decided that it was a better idea that instead of engaging with culture, it would withdraw from culture. The same way that like the monks are gonna go to monasteries, right? Or you know, what it like like these same kind of ideas like with listen withdrawal so that we're not influenced, but by withdrawing, we can't influence, right? Well, you're going into the world, whether you're going into your workplaces or your schools or your towns or your, you know, the shopping centers, right? You're going into the world, whether it, you're turning on the TV and the world's, in, you know, like influencing your mind through the things that you watch and, and, and see on the television. How You're being influenced by the world. I think it's a very dangerous thing for us to decide as a church that we should not be influencing the world, right? Like the, the, the things that we do here are only for here. That's dangerous, 
Right? And that's happened throughout church history. There's been various times in which that's happened. And what happens when that, when the church is not, is not going out and being the light of the world is that the world gets dark. Right? Like if you were to withdraw the church from the world, the world gets dark. We're, we're not meant to withdraw away. We're meant to press in and we're meant to combat these false ideas with God's Word. Right? So like we need to, this is why, this is why I think we should put in, like, like it should be important to us that we think deeply about scripture, right? And I get it that sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's over our heads. Sometimes it's too much for us in that moment to understand that particular thought or idea. But if you are withdrawing and not engaging your mind in this work, you're created as a rational being, right? Like as we consider like how God has created us in His likeness, you can think, you can reason, right? You can take those thoughts and those thoughts can influence those things around you, right? Like you can create, you can, you can influence, right? So, so I think that it's very dangerous when we, when we choose to kind of check out mentally, right? And we say, this is too much work, it's too much work for me, right? I get that it's work sometimes when you come in here even, right? It's like there's some things that we covered that's just like, ah, no, my brain's not on it today, right? Like I get, I get that. But there's a, like, let's, let's understand as well that there's a danger to disengaging, right? Because what's happened is, is that during this time, during the time that Plato's philosophy kind of started really um, permeating his culture and started permeating the church, that his understanding of the soul and the body began to be common understanding of the believers of the church. So what happened here? So his, so for, from a high level, he saw everything physical as imprisonment of the soul, right? That the, that we are in, imprisoned in these bodies, right? And that in some ways sounds like scriptural, right? Like, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Like, don't you want to be free from, from your flesh? Right? So what happens is, is that we take, like, that sounds like, I, I, what he says seems like it has a, maybe like a, a kernel of truth to it. But then I take his truth as old truth, and I, and I push out maybe what scripture says, which it does not say that the created, like, world is evil. Right? If you look at just the opening chapters, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. And the body's his temple. And, and our hope is what? Not disembodied existence. But that became, because that idea that we needed to, that, that all things created and, and, and fleshly needed to be freed and that there was a spiritual realm that was better than the physical world and it was freed from the, the imprisonment of the body. Like the church clung to that, well, right? About the time that he's speaking, like that the common man was not educated. Yeah. Yeah. So they were relying on priests and cardinals and popes to relay truth to them, but their truth was perverted by their own like selfish. Yes. And so it took hundreds of years for them to be able to search scripture on their own, which is a picture of why biblical literacy is so yes. important and why we shouldn't take that for granted. Yeah. That's why we 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 have the opportunity to search truth for ourselves. 
in a way that they did. Yeah, it's, it's not a coincidence that the printing press and the Reformation happened at the same time and that literacy rates start going up and people can get their hands on a copy yeah. of God's Word in their own language and then all of a sudden they're like, oh snap, that's oh. not what I'm taught. Right. <laughs> yeah. what I was taught at all. And, then, and like they're able to get their hands in it you know, and their heads to the cloud. And that filters into your heart and that changes everything. Because the Catholic Church yeah. can take Plato's teaching of the body as a prison and turn that into indulgence. Yes. And this is what happens. So like when these ideas started infecting the church and started to be common knowledge, like just like instead of like checking that thought with scripture, it just became like it's just what we believe, right? Like and, and it's just assumed that everybody else there believes it. Like that generation after generation of that begins to influence the church itself. It starts building on itself, and then it starts to become things that you don't question at all. Right? It becomes the common the common understanding to where it's like, why would I even need to look at scripture for that? Right? Yes. Yes. So, so this takes place, right? This takes place. This these thoughts of needing to be completely freed. And here's here's what scripture says. Like here's what scripture says is that our hope is not freedom from the body, but reunited with a resurrection body. That is the hope that scripture speaks to for us. Yet how many of us, when we think about the hope that we want, think about the moment we die? That's not your hope, right? That's not your ultimate hope. Yes, you'll be with Jesus, and that's beautiful. But it doesn't end there, right? It doesn't end there, because you will be given a resurrected body. That's the hope that Scripture speaks to for us. We're not looking for the day that we die, but the day that we're brought back, right? To live with Him as He is. He's embodied. When He was risen from the grave, He was risen from the grave in a resurrection body. And the first fruits of the resurrection, right? Of which we will be partakers of. So the church is influenced by these thoughts of, of needing to just be completely freed from creation. This starts to make its way and to become common knowledge around about the time of, uh, the Reformation. Like, it, and I, and I think that this is a, it's, uh, Dustin bring, brought out a really good point, And I've tried to make it a couple of times in the past when we think about the Reformation. Like, it is no, coincidence that the word and the ability for the word to be in the hands of the people also was the same time frame that the Reformation took place at all, right? Like the ability to read the word was influential in the Reformation sticking and holding, right? Now here's the thing that I want us to think about here. So if, if it was that important to, to realigning the church of which we're part of, with God's Word, the ability to get a hold of it and read it, then how important is it for us when we're in the world and the world's trying to influence us, how are we going to influence it if we don't take hold of that thing that caused the Reformation? It was God's Word, not any particular man that caused the Reformation. And it was the ability to have it and to, and to have it at your disposal and to read it that really caused that to... To, to take root and, and run because you weren't getting your truth from a particular individual, but you were getting the truth from God's Word, right? 
And now we have it. You can get it on your phone. You can get it, you know, like we probably all of us have hundreds of copies of it together, right? Like you can go into any pew here and, and, and pick one up. Like we have it at our disposal and we find ourselves being influenced by the world. And I wonder, do we understand the significance of having it and the need for us to be in it? Right? Yeah. And if we don't now we today we have the ability to check what is being said with scripture so that we're not led astray in the same way that they were. Like yeah. We don't really have a whole Yeah, it's right, it's right. Like just because your friend posted it on social media does not mean that particular thing that they posted is true, right? Even if it sounds good, and that's the de- like that's the risk. The risk is when it sounds close enough to what you what is true. When it sounds close enough, but those small differences, given time. Yeah, yeah, like when you pop. Yeah. Yes, and the thing that checks that is if you have the original transcript that you can look at, right? Like if they're reading off a, tr- right? Like, and we have that transcript of truth before us. Let's not neglect it, right? Let's not neglect it because so that gets us to the Reformation time, and then you come post Reformation, and you think that the you think that the early church had it had it hard and tough times whenever they were dealing with the essential nature of man and creation. Fast forward to our time to where you're the result of of purposeless and meaningless chemical reactions given sufficient time. Right? Like you there is no soul now. Right? Like that's the that's the influence that presses in on us now is that there is no soul. There is only material. Right, you are the result of the things that have happened to you and the chemical processes within you. Right, and we're going to come to a point to where it's like this: this this edges you closer and closer towards lawlessness. Right, because if if we're if we're no more than chemical reactions, then we can cry. We cannot cry out at murder because it's no different than a rock falling from a cliff on another rock. Right. Or a rock barreling down a hill and barreling through trees. Subjective truth is dangerous. Yes. Yes. When your truth is your truth and it doesn't matter what anyone yeah. means their truth is their truth and we're all just living our truth, like it leads it leads to dangerous, scary places that But if but if but if the the predominant worldview that we find ourselves in is true and not combated Instead, with the truth, then you have no like that. You get to this. It's ultimately nihilism is true. Like it's meaningless and purpose purposeless. And you do you because that's all you got, right? You lose all sight of human dignity because there's no in the image of God. You're in the image of some, you know, like pre-existent creature that happened to have some mutation that got you to hear today like there's no there's no purpose in that there's no meaning in that there's 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 no reason in that either right 
Like because you don't reason if your chemical processes, you just react, right? Like you are, like you're a computer that processes what comes in, and you can't help what comes out. That's ultimately where you get. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So those are those are some of like materialism is probably the predominant worldview today that has some of the most significant impact that we have to. Um, that we have to combat, um, and I think understanding that we are created um, in the image of God, that we are more than just material um, material beings, that we have been given um, spirit, soul. Um, that's important. That's important for us to under to understand and not to lose sight of, um, because, like I say, the predominant worldview that you live in is is not holding. That you are anything more than um, material beings, um, and and you'll run into people who are spiritual that hold to materialism, and that doesn't doesn't match up. You can't hold to both, um, and um, we we have this this spirit within us that that tells tells us that we're wrong in those areas, so we seek these false ideas of spiritualism over religion or you know, over truth, um, and that's kind of where we find ourselves today, and that's that's where we find ourselves uh, among a lot of um, people who would call themselves spiritual, but um, in no way reflect uh, the image or working of their Creator in their lives that they live.